0: Question one. What's been intriguing you lately? Hmm? And right away you said the intention of Jesus to really deliver people from demonic oppression. Yeah. Say more about that.
1: Jesus came to, to minister and, and bring his kingdom through signs and wonders. It is of the utmost importance That we don't just have a message in word only, but that we have a demonstration of power. I was recently at a church on Sunday morning. They had me come in and they had me speak to their youth Sunday school class. And I was praying the night before. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to presume to know what it is that you want to do. Yeah, I can go in there and share my story. I could talk about rejection. I can share you know, how God saved me and what what born again looked like at 19 years old, the expense of a drug addicted life and, you know, being delivered from pornography, you know, years later and all that stuff. And uh, but I was like, what do you want to do? What do you Mm. want me to go in there and do? I felt like he said, don't preach to him. Go in there and just minister to them. And you do that. I mean, you've had moments where you've gone in, in places. You said you just came back from, you know, ministering to a group of teens and young adults and whatnot. And so I went in there with a list of words of knowledge. I had I had a couple of names written down, you know, and all of that requires risk. It's I, there's never a point in time where I'm like, this is absolutely the Lord. I mean, there might be some instances, but I mean, I'm going in there and I'm trying and I'm, I'm going to see if it's God or if it's not. And dude, when I went in they, those kids. They weren't even making eye contact with me. They wanted nothing. You could tell like they were closed, arms crossed, you know, looking down. And uh, and then they got to they started to see. Well, the first, the first thing I went in there, I said is, hey, does anybody in here have, get nosebleeds on a regular basis? I mean, more often than not, it's beyond normal. And uh, yeah, and I'm like, I've never had a worm of knowledge like that before, nosebleeds. You know, what's the big deal? Right. And this girl, shy as can be, puts her hand up and, dude, her eyes, like, lock on mine. And she's like, how? I'm like, honey, like, how amazing is it that of all the things, all the ailments, all the symptoms... God is interested in your nosebleeds. I said, in fact, I know your nose isn't bleeding. I said, but I just believe that God is saying when we pray, you're going to feel a tingling sensation in your nose. Sure enough, she did. Then we had a word of knowledge for like uh, panic attacks that starts with pain on the left side that that goes over into the shoulder. That was her again. Dude, by this time, like the kids – they're just transfixed. By the end of it all, I won't go into all the details, but it was just word after word after word. And by the time it was over, the kids were laughing. They were smiling. The children workers were like, we've never seen them like this. They don't act like that. And uh, and I, I've come to understand, me personally, Faith Like Birds, if we're going to reach this next generation – they need to see the kingdom of God demonstrated in power. It's not going to be enough to just walk in and and take a book, not downplaying the scriptures, not downplaying the power of of the preached word, especially under the anointing. But, I mean, we're talking about a book that most people don't necessarily believe God authored, that it was just on the whims of men and different ideas, that if we're going to come with the word, there's a very good chance that they're already just going to be closed down, not wanting to hear it and mean anything to them.
0: Jesus sometimes would do a teaching and then demonstrate it. Mm -hmm. And then other times, he would demonstrate the kingdom and then explain it. You said we're to declare and minister the kingdom in our little text thread. Demonstrating, but also explaining. Right. And I feel like we are so shy, so short on the demonstrating piece. Mm. What we're left doing is what we can do if there were no God.
1: The confidence I have, there's certain things, it's the same with prayer. There are certain things that are settled in my mm-hmm. heart. They faith for some of those practices, mm-hmm. meaning like I have the absolute faith that God wants to meet with me when I close that door. Yeah, it doesn't,
0: I have, it doesn't feel like a risk.
1: You got it. I have it's, and, and it's rooted in experience. So what I always come back to is that He actually mm-hmm. desires me. I mean, yeah. I spent a year of my life meditating on that Song of Solomon 7, verse 10, I am my beloved's and his desires for me. So not only is there an identity statement, and who I belong to, but it's the fact that my whole life I just wanted somebody to want me, and then finally tapping into that reality that he really longs for me. And I know that there are people that would, would preach that, that, uh, that, that particular book maybe in a different light.
0: Slow down. But, you hunkered down and said, I'm going to take a year and yep. take this truth from Scripture and allow this truth from Scripture, I'm going to chew on it until it becomes digested and converted into making me, until the Word takes on flesh in me. How did you do that?
1: It's so good. So I was actually at the time I was reading, well, it was it was around the time where I was roughly 30 years old. And it was in that time and season where I became aware that the pressures of life were causing things to come mm. out of me. I was like, where is this coming from? The Lord was, was using the pressure of ministry, the pressure of being newly married, the pressure mm. of being a father. And different things that were going on, and as they were squeezing me, I saw stuff coming out of me that I was like, "I don't like that that that's unattractive to me. Something's wrong on the inside. I think I may actually the guy with the master's degree may in counseling may need to go get counseling and it was around that time that the Lord was periodically leading mm-hmm. me to books, one of which was Brennan Manning's "The Furious Longing of God." and it is for anybody watching it's a short read, it's simple. Um, you know, and, and, and so, you know, ties with Rich Mullen. So, I mean, I, I like, I love the, the, the stream, you know, and the people that he was, you know, tied to and whatnot. So I remember reading and he, he was the one that pointed out for himself that he, he took that verse from Song of Solomon chapter seven, verse 10. And I believe even for he himself, he, he wrestled with that for an extended period of time till it became his reality. So for me, it wasn't that I was, I was probably not reading other places in scripture, but that that verse was something that I wanted to see be a reality in my life, and I was willing to do whatever needed to be done in order for that to take root. So for me, I would get alone with the Lord, and I would sit there and chew on each statement, almost as if you know the the practice of was it lectio divina. Like That's eight, correct. But one word at a time, and I would sit there and be like, "Okay, let put myself like this is me. I I belong to Him." Not only do I belong to him, he calls me beloved. I mean, he he's the lover of my soul. I would sit and I would allow myself through meditation actually begin to feel the weight of that verse, for lack of – I don't know how to describe it. Over time, like you said, it became almost as if it became flesh. It became a part of my DNA. So now it's a, it's a foundational mm. truth that every time I go and, and pray or go and get alone, mm. it's – become a part of that process that I, I know I'm going to meet with the one that loves me and actually wants to be with me. And the reason why there was a deficit there was because all the childhood traumatic junk, you know, of social rejection and bullying and parental divorce, you know, and all these things. And, you know, and of course, for me, I think the greatest lie of rejection is there's something wrong with you. Right. And so I developed all those different, you know, performance tactics and walls. And, you know, I would I knew how to control people through manipulation and withholding of approval and all that different stuff, literally just doing what I saw modeled to me. And it took me a little bit to learn God's not like that. But, you know, it's amazing how so many of us and this, this was me for years. And I'll be honest, it creeps up sometimes. There can be a temptation to believe, oh, because I did that and missed the mark God's now disappointed and he's shrinking back and you need to enter back into some dead christian work you know in order to appease him and because when i was addicted to pornography and after i would use i would feel like i couldn't talk to him for a while until he simmered down a little bit because he was so disappointed i would constantly hear the voice you know better than that what's the matter with you you know of course god had grace for you when you were lost now you know better you know and uh and so i would enter back into that striving thing again so this this reality of of Taking the time to to really see formed in you something. And that's that's why I think like I think the stress, you know, sometimes that, that preachers, you know, experience. You know, I have to have a new message every Sunday. Why do we have to have a new message every Sunday? My 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 friend down the road, Pastor Don Wallabaugh at Harvest Chapel, he patience <clears throat> for about being a son and daughter of God for a year, the same verse for a year so that it became DNA, it mm. became cultural, you know? We long feel long.
0: an obligation to be yeah. perpetually profound. The people of Athens, is it Athens, used to give themselves, it says, day and night to constantly hearing the newest, latest or, ideas. Tell me something new. Tell me something new.
1: I remember Nicole's grandmother one time said, I read your book, you know, First Dance, and like you talk about all this time you can spend with Laura. I just don't understand that. Like, how do you, you know... How do you do that? And I remember, I remember probably, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I knew what I said wasn't the answer. I mean, I may have said, well, it took practice and cultivation and, you know, it's just something I've been working on, you know, for a long time. then I remember. And then you said,
0: Uh, I don't really know. Lord, what the heck?
1: I remember going up to my bedroom. Nicole was in the hospital uh, at the time our second was born. So she was in there. And um, and I remember I had put on uh, I was laying in bed and put on my headphones and was listening to uh, Abba by Jonathan David Helser It was the time that that came out, him and Melissa Helser. And that's the other thing that Brendan Manning talked about. He would pray. That's actually where Jonathan David and Melissa Helser got that song, was from Brendan Manning's prayer where he would breathe in the words Abba and exhale, I belong to you. Oh, that's and that was- so
0: good, dude.
1: Yeah, it's such an awesome thing. And so um, – I remember putting that in. I remember sitting there and I was just, I was just, you know, fellowshipping with the Lord and the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, do you know what the strength of your prayer life is? And, and I remember sitting there saying, well, clearly I don't. That's why you're, you're asking me because I don't really know, you know? And, uh, and he said, you settled in your heart a long time ago that I desire you. That was it. So, and that took, that took time. That took uh, diligence in in chewing on and meditating, and spending time with, thinking upon, you know that reality. The more the more my mind was given to it, the more more I set my mind upon it, the bigger that it got. You mm. know, it's like feeding it and stuff. And so, along those same lines, when it comes to ministering the kingdom to teenagers, the strength of my ministry or the ministry of God through me is rooted in life experience. The things that I've encountered with him, my hatred towards what used to bind me and how it binds other people, namely, you know, rejection in the lives of, of teens, because I am I am I'm convinced I don't have necessarily scientific data to prove it. I'm, I'm hoping to once once we go through further in this this uh, research project, I'm convinced it's the Goliath of this generation in the same way it's settled in my heart that God desires me. It is settled in my heart that these kids, this stuff gets me emotional, these kids are really struggling, and the only thing that's going to matter is if God really shows up. Like, for example, I remember I was in the Netherlands a couple years ago, and they wanted me to talk to a room full of refugees from uh, Afghanistan. That is an interesting culture when it comes to fathers and hierarchy and the way that that holds respect. And some of them didn't have very good fathers. They had very authoritative fathers, abusive fathers. And so I'm in there and I'm talking about God as Father, intentionally, you know, and how Jesus came to reveal the Father. And I remember the Holy Spirit whispering to me at the end. That's awesome. If you're going to talk to them about the Father heart of uh, you know my Father fathering heart, my love for them, but if they don't see it, how do you expect them at the end of the day to completely swallow? Because they're that's butting up against life experience. Yeah, their
0: experience is telling them something that you're not saying.
1: And I said, hey guys, in an effort to to, to show that what I'm saying is true. We're going to pray for healing and God's going to heal you guys. And, and he did. He did. It was like Hebrews 2. You know, we went out preaching God confirming the word, you know, through signs and wonders. Or, you know, they're praying in, in Acts 4, give us boldness to preach the word while you extend your hand, you know, to do all these things. It's like, God, if I'm willing to do my part— and if I'm willing to go out there and, and, you know, say, this is who you are and what you're like and what you want to do, then, then I need you to be the one that's going to demonstrate it. I'll be as empty as I can be. I'll be a vessel you can move through. But at the end of the day, if you don't show up, yeah, I'm going to look like an idiot. You know, your reputation's on the line, you know, which I know he's big enough to handle.
0: You do take risks like maybe I'm hearing God here, maybe I'm not. Those are the risks you're taking, yes. but, but you're yep. not, fe- it's not a risk for you as to whether or not God will back up your proclamation of love and show the beauty of who Jesus truly is and the answer to the big questions that are dominating everybody in life. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What is life for? And simple things that we that we stop talking about as Christians, like not only is there life after death, but is there life before death? Mm. Right, the, the Ecclesiastes question. Is there yes. life before death? Yeah, it's good. Is it good that I'm here? Is life worth living? Is the universe a safe place for me to be? And what we're discovering in Jesus, he's introducing us to the Father. Jesus is talking about the flowers of the field, and he's talking about the sparrows. You know, your ministry's named after this passage, Matthew 6. Could it really be that this universe is a safe place for me to be? Wow. Because I'm in my Father's kingdom? Say more about the kingdom.
1: I, there was there was a, a season I think it was about a year or two ago where I was just captivated by the word immediately and the amount of times it just kept showing up and immediately you know this person was healed or that person was healed and just just the reality that that's that's available that is actually what it is that we are hey wherever city you enter wherever you go find the man of peace do this do that you know heal the sick cast out demons you know cleanse the leper raise the dead and it's just bringing me I, I guess a greater confidence. When I stand before so many of these teenagers that are bound, you know, in the lies of self-harm and suicidal ideation and low self-esteem, you know, and and gender confusion, identity confusion, you know, which, again, I believe a lot of that stuff, I can't say all, but I believe a lot of it has its roots in in rejection, not feeling wanted. I mean, I, I was thinking the other day, I can't think of a worse thought to have in my mind, Tim. Than a thought that's constantly rolling around and echoing and screaming, nobody wants me. I don't know if I would have said that was how I consciously thought, you know, in my teen years and most of my twenties. But the fruit certainly revealed it, you know. And uh, and so I just I, I have a, a a faith for the kingdom of God to come up against that lie, to 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 ransack it, to bind that strong man. And, and, and to, to plunder that house and to fill that house with, with truth.
0: So to, to take the wide-angle, back-up view, God is honoring the name Jesus. Yes. And he loves people. And yep. you're seeing people get freed from the very practical effects of rejection. Say yep. more to me about that reality.
1: I will never forget when I finally got to the point at 30 years old and I turned to my wife with tears in my eyes and running down my cheeks, saying to her, I, I think I need help. There was a woman at my church that at the time was also in her 30s, had two kids. She was severely sexually abused by her father. And all of those issues hmm. didn't help until she had kids of her own. And there were different pressures in life. She said, Brian, she said, this guy, she said, I've never met somebody like this man. And I'm seeing all kinds of breakthrough." And I said, what's his name? I think I, I'd like to go see him, set up an appointment. I go, sit down. And I think he had Enya playing in his uh, little room that you had to Sail win.
0: away, sail away, sail away.
1: I was, and I like that stuff. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, OK. So I walk in. And this was a Baptist minister that the Lord said, get out of the pulpit and get in the, the trenches with people. And I went in, and I remember not even knowing where to start. And I'm, just, I'm just vomiting on this guy. And I started my childhood, and I'm talking about family history, and, and he's listening. And, and now here's a man that I would say, I don't know theologically where he stands. I don't know what experiences he's had regarding being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the gifts of God were in operation in that moment. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, God reality isn't bound by denominational doctrines.
1: So I'm sitting there, and and he's listening, and he interrupts me, and he says, "Stop, stop, stop, stop." And so I stop talking, and he looks at me very poignantly, but with the softest compassion, he says, "Your pain is miles deep." Now he's 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 what he's doing is he's bringing validity to the things that I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I would I would often say things like this, Tim. I just wish people would understand me. I always felt just misunderstood, like nobody could see it. From my vantage point, and I, and he goes, your pain is miles deep. He just sat there and he paused, and he said, uh, "You have a lot of unresolved anger towards your family that's created depression side of you." And then, then this was the cherry on top. He said, "And you have a major fear of rejection." And when he said that, it was like, oh my gosh, just bullseye uncorking the champagne. Bar. I mean, just in that moment, the emotional reaction was so intense. I just started, so- but he put language to. Either what I was afraid to acknowledge or didn't want to see. I yeah. felt like I was I was in a dark forest wandering around. I didn't know how to get out. Somebody in the light had to walk in and take me by the hand. And in that moment, he did. and And in that moment, it brought light to the effects of that reality in my life, which were, I thought there was something wrong with me. So I lived in the constant need of people accepting me. So I became a yes man. I became um, uh, a, a people pleaser. I, I, I would be whatever you needed me to be in the moment, just so that you would accept what it was that I didn't like called myself. So that was a major effect of rejection was over and over and over again, the experiences that I had with it, reinforcing the idea, there's something wrong with you. There's something broken. There's something displeasing, you know, that people don't like. Well, I'm thinking if, if you can't like me, then how am I, you know, going to like me? I, I, I found it very, very difficult to, to allow people to get close to me, um, to really, at the end of the day, get to know me, to trust people with what was really on the inside of here. So here I am starving for the very thing that I want, but I'm not allowing anybody to give me. There was addictions in my life. There was the escape of, okay, I don't feel good about me in here. I don't have any love towards myself. I don't like who I am. So I escaped. The first escape for me was was food at a very early age, which only then served the the lie and the experience of rejection because then I became the overweight kid in school, in public school, and that's a death sentence. So now you're not getting picked for sports activities as much as we joke about those realities. But to a young boy, that means a lot because oh, yeah. you're buying manhood and yeah. what it means get in with your
0: peers. Yeah, they take one look at me and they don't want me.
1: Right. So now now that's being reinforced. The girls aren't overly interested. Uh there were times where I had relationships with certain friends that dissolved um, so that, so I, I turned to food, you know, my parents divorced. That was a huge aspect of, of where that lie came from and experience. Then it turned to, you know, cigarette smoking at an early age, first pornographic magazine at 10 years old selling, you know, and, and using all kinds of drugs out of the house by the time I'm in high school. Uh, so, so there were, there were all these different coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that feel good. So I didn't have to process and deal with the pain of what I was really. So there's a lot of escapism. Um, That was there. I had a lot, lot of low self-esteem, a lot of insecurity, a lot of anxiety and a lot of anger. I, I knew how to get what I wanted through certain emotional responses. Um, and I learned that from family dynamics and certain relatives and things, you know, growing up where uh, I would punish you relationally if I didn't get from you what it was that I wanted. I had a lot of, again, addictions, low self-esteem, depression, anxiety, escapism, things like that um a belief system that said you know nobody wants me nobody loves me nobody you know you can't trust anybody everybody leaves and so and then of course because of that the corresponding fruit which was all those other things you know that i mentioned i didn't have any of the 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 self harm stuff the suicidal ideation that was never a thought but i see a lot of that stuff today in in teenagers
0: you've said these are some of these effects yeah. how are you able to invite people to break their agreement with this stuff.
1: Especially when it comes to, I think, teenagers, and when it, when it comes to those who have a history of addiction, the one that's walked in their shoes is suddenly the one who has a voice now in my, in my life. And so through the telling of my story and how the devil works and how he looks for these moments in time, and I always use, you know, the Bible says very clearly in Luke 4 that the devil, you know, tempted, you know, Jesus in the wilderness, And then the Bible goes out of its way to say, and he left him for a more opportune time. This is what the enemy will do. He said, he will, I said, he will wait for life to happen. I said, let's just take the divorce of parents. And all of a sudden he will come sliding in. He wants to give reasoning or words for that experience. And it makes sense in light of what I went through. I bite on and now there's feelings attached to it. And now all of a sudden there's a belief system that begins to get cemented. And because belief is like a magnet, I sometimes then start to attract these things to myself because there's certain behaviors that reinforce it that I do that get the end result.
0: You give a hound dog, smell this, okay, now he, that's what he's hunting for. And Good. these experiences become search images. The belief I am rejected and I'm worthy of rejection and no one's going to love me and you can't trust people and here it comes again and see it's happening. Why does this always happen? It always happens to me. Even if it's not happening, I'm believing it's about to happen. Yeah, I'm braced for it.
1: When you're rejected, you know, oftentimes the greatest bleeding we do is the bleeding nobody can see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some of you guys feel like fruit. Yeah, I- I'm not going to take that fruit. It's bruised. I don't want to eat that banana. Look at it, you know, or that apple. It's brown. And I said, a lot of you guys, you feel like through the different bruising that's taken place emotionally. You know, the Bible says he was, you know, in certain translations, he was bruised. I said, he didn't just bleed outwardly. There was an internal bleeding that took place through that pummeling, through that rejection that can heal the deepest wounds of the soul inside, where he didn't just bleed for the things that you did to others, you know, but they're, the reality of what's been done, surely our griefs He himself carried and bore, you know, I said, it's not just the things that you did. It's what's been done to you. There's an internal bleeding, a bruise is trauma, you know, beneath the skin. You know, when you when you think nobody understands, there's a bruise on the Savior's face that says, I get it. I know what it was like. And so I I will let them know that, you know, the reality of the fact that uh, this God wants to come and he wants to bind the broken hearted, to heal the traumatized, you know, places. And I find when they ex- begin to experience the love and the holding of God, literally inviting God to come and hold them, and to reveal His love to them through the Holy Spirit in their heart. The most common thing that I will see, time and time again, manifestation-wise, in working with teenagers, is when God comes in the room and God begins to physically touch them. They they emotionally just will begin to sob because, and I think it's very telling of the reality of the pain that so many of them have on the yeah. inside. Um, so, and- so
0: many of us. I have a few more questions for you and then we'll be done. And, and the, 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 other, the rest of the questions aren't that spiritual. Uh, <laughs> let me do some uh, light, easy questions. Okay. Are there any words or phrases that when you hear them, you just kind of, oh, and you wish you could sort of remove them from common use?
1: Words or phrases? Wow. No, I mean, not off the top of my head. That would have to be one I would have to sit on. So sorry, I can't give you any more than that right now.
0: So I thought it would be great to create an app Mm -hmm. just for church people. (laughs) And every time it hears the phrase, Father God, we just ask. (laughs) Father God, we just ask. Every time it hears that, it gives you a nice little electrical shock in the pocket. Um, Yeah. Father God, we just, oh, you know. (laughs) Just nine volts. Doesn't have n- nothing too bad. Nothing too extreme. No, no. Are there any words or phrases that instantly get you pumped up and excited?
1: The word deliverance gets me jazzed. I mean, as weird as that is to say, we were going through our core values, and, and to be honest with you, I actually had some fun, like brainstorming, you know, with the team, like, you know, and like at the top of the list, you know, was like the presence of God. I mean, that is you know paramount. Power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's certain things that I'm just like, this is us. This is who we are. This is our DNA. It was in
0: your latest video. You said, yeah. Freedom is one god encounter away
1: yeah this, that stuff like that you know what I mean as our rally cry you know um so just you know, th- those things uh the very values you know that we have is uh, you know, humility, integrity um doing things in excellence, you know those are those are words right now that just kind of get me going because yeah. it's words we live out of it's who we are, you know as a people
0: so, so of, of the ones you deliverance was the word that you were like that's yeah that's I'd, that's just. Uh, because there's a mountain, there's a mountain of truth referenced in that one word. Yeah. For me, a couple years back, it was just the word the nations. Right. right. I have a theology of God's intention yeah. to bring all peoples under his wonderful kingdom. Yep. and he will it's not a pipe dream it's it's a right. it's a historical reality that's currently in process wow. and just the uh, just just saying the phrase triggers all that faith and all that hope and that gospel you know big view of history so just you know the nations and so people would be like what's he crying about <laughs>
1: you said the nations
0: what's your favorite food
1: probably peanut butter
0: <laughs> what the heck <laughs> my Did friend they... stanley he went through this thing where he was really reacting to peanuts Okay, And I kept saying to him, how can such a big boy like you be so weak that I can c- <laughs> kill you with a peanut so weak How'd you get so weak And he just chuckled he came back to me later and he's like, ah, I got tested I'm not allergic to peanut butter and I'm like right so now That's- Brian Connolly and you can have a peanut butter sandwich I mean
1: obviously pizzas up there and and probably probably Chipotle burritos I'm a big burrito guy I like Mexican stuff probably more than any other any other ethnic food group. I probably would slide more Mexican than anything else, over Chinese, over Italian. Dude, over what's your
0: favorite? What's your favorite taco meat? Uh, just chicken. Okay, tripa. Give me some crispy intestine. That's what I'm talking about. It's the what? best, dude. Cilantro on there, onions on there, pico de. G- like, come on, baby, let's do this thing. No cheese, none of this American stuff. Give me that authentic. Right. Have you had the uh, what's the chicharrón? Are you have you big into chicharrón? You gotta get some. It's like bacon, but thicker. Oh, wow. Yeah, but when you go ask for it, make sure you roll that R.
1: I was on a huge barbecue kick for a while because I've done some ministry down in Texas, and I was like, these guys know.
0: It's a thing, dude.
1: Oh my! I guess it's like a religion down there. I mean, everything centers around it. I mean, the dry rub that they use. I mean, I was like in rib heaven, pulled pork heaven, and I was like, I need to find that around here. Yeah, Everybody tries to hide the meat behind this behind the sauce. Down there, they let the meat speak for itself. With Come these on now, lens, and I'm like, I I just have never had anything like
0: it. So it. somebody pulls out the A1 steak sauce, yeah. to pour it on this ribeye or whatever, and the whole table looks at them like they're sin in the camp.
1: That's it. <laughs> well, the way you eat Bricker's fries is with vinegar. That's correct. If they- at you putting ketchup on it it's it's just like you said with the a1 thing it's it's like a sin like it's like they look down their nose at mm-hmm. you as you catch a bottle and begin using it it's
0: fascinating you're darn right that's how we that's how we do with thrasher's fries we call them beach fries salt and vinegar go. baby malt malt Bit. vinegar not just any vinegar
1: right right
0: okay favorite band from the 80s that you still enjoy
1: oh my goodness oh i love this uh def leopard would be up there um and i also to be honest with you loved um phil collins i started resurrecting um like uh,
0: like when he was with genesis
1: yeah and also when he was on his own when he was doing his solo thing like i i love that song that goes take take me home because i don't remember do you know that song no yeah you would if you heard it i i I love the drum beat in it so i mean because you're talking about synths and all those different things that were just like interesting sounds you know back then but yeah, I mean, NXS was a big one for me. I liked them. I know some people loved, you know, Guns N' Roses. I mean, I, there's some of their stuff was okay. But yeah, I would say probably NXS. And then there was a, a group called uh, Information Society. They were the guys that did that. I want to know what you're. Tell me what's on your mind. I'll have to send you. I'll have to send you my 80s playlist now because I. It's funny because I keep telling people I'm like nothing says fall to me like a good 80s playlist. So there that's what
0: I'm
1: around listening to. Ironically.
0: Ugh. Okay, '90s. What about '90s? Best band of the '90s.
1: Best band. Okay, fine. N-
0: Best musical artist and or band of the '90s.
1: Gosh, like that. That. I don't know. I mean, I could tell you my who some of my favorites were. I mean, Pearl Jam would be up there. Uh, towards the would probably yeah, yeah, be. Yeah. I was a huge Rusted Root fan. That's where my love for hand drumming came from because they were around then. I have a, I have a '90s playlist. I'll tell you who I really liked in the '90s. That I felt like didn't get enough credit was Collective Soul.
0: All oh, right, fantastic.
1: There's some of these guys that that have been on tour around here, uh, like Bush and Blur and uh, Candlebox and. I
0: remember these bands. Yeah, Candlebox.
1: So and um and so like there there's a kid here. He's an old soul. He's 18 years old, but all he listens to is the 90s. He went and saw Bush, Candlebox, and he's. <laughs> it just cracks me up. I'm like I'm like dude. Like you actually have some good taste in in music. If I'm honest. Oh man, so. some of
0: these kids, man, they give me a lot of hope. Stan says this. He says. Man, he gets mad now. Stanley gets mad now. He says, I'm so sick and tired of people complaining about this next generation. As far as I can tell, their heads are screwed on straighter than ours. You know? What? He's like, our generation's kind of garbage, but their generation <laughs> gives me some hope. Final question. If you could do any career for a year anywhere in the world, what would you do? Where oh. would you live?
1: Jeez. Any career anywhere in the world? Just for a year. Just for a year. That's a tough one for me, because there are certain things I really enjoy doing, feel like that I'm gifted at doing, like writing, and it's like, could I envision myself going away, locking myself away somewhere for a year, getting really creative? Because I was telling, uh, I took my oldest daughter out to eat the other night, and I said, we were talking about classes, favorite classes you know, you had when you were going off. I said, honey, my favorite class, still to this day, I was in ninth grade, I said I had an English teacher that it was a creative writing class, and that's all we would do. And I said, and that's where my love for writing you know, really came from. But, um, so that, that could be one where I would do it. No clue. Um,
0: not a cabin in the mountains or the woods or anything
1: like that's, I'm, I'm more of a mountain guy than I'm a beach guy. That, that would be intriguing to me to have the freedom to be like, this is what I'm doing to let the, let the, the creative faculties roll. That would be pretty awesome.
0: That's not that wild to me. I'm like, okay, so Brian, here's what you do. You go, Hey, Nicole, you're amazing. I'm going to leave for two weeks. I'm going to be in a cabin. I won't have my phone on except for one hour a day, I'm going to have a 1929 Corona typewriter and some wood fire Dude, that sounds and some stinking, rough. some stinking I don't know what you got to eat, something that doesn't require you to do a lot of work to, to upkeep. Right. right. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to just see what comes out of me as I write. Yeah, it's good. And if nothing happens, I had a good vacation, me and the Lord... In the woods for two weeks. Yeah, it's so funny. We fantasize about how amazing it would be to be to be go back in nature and not have all these terrible modern gizmos. But as soon as you like, we come home from being away from where the Wi-Fi connects immediately and automatically, and everything. We're like, Ah, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, could you end us by praying? Yeah. For anyone who during this conversation was hearing what you were sharing about rejection and saying, I'm the one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Father, we just thank you right now. There was actually something else that came to my mind when you were saying that to him about praying. So I'll start with the one you mentioned, Father. We just we thank you for anyone that was watching this message, Lord, that spoke up and said, man, that's me. It's like you're reading my mail. I can relate to that. Um, I have those same idiosyncrasies. I have those same patterns. I have that same fruit, in my life. Jesus, I just thank you that you love that individual. I thank you that them even having the willingness to say that's me, it's the presence of you already speaking. It's a grace that's going before and touching and grabbing hold of their heart. And Father, I pray that what is preliminary um, moves beyond the preliminary father and that you would minister to them right now in, in such a way where your love is revealed by the Holy Spirit, where you would you would you would hold them tight against your chest, Father. And it's ironic because I was just reading Luke 15 before I hopped on this call with Tim and and, and I was I was just getting wrecked by the fact that Lord, when I repented and when I changed my mind, there really was joy. In heaven, more joy than over a person, a shepherd finding one lost sheep. Who, where you describe it, sounds like he was pretty ecstatic and was inviting people to come and join in the celebration. You said in the same way, there's more joy in heaven, and there's joy in the presence of the angels when one person turns. So, Father, I ask right now that the rejected heart would would turn from pain and turn to your embrace right now, and uh, and and would and would choose to leave behind every wall that it's built and and would would see in the eyes of love that you're trustworthy that you're good and that you're faithful and uh, and i just ask and pray for an experience with those realities right now to come upon the one that says rejection has been a part of my life. It's been hard for me to separate my identity from it. It's who I am. I anticipate it. And I just ask and pray, Father, that your love would be poured out right now and that you would help that person to see, like Tim quoted earlier in Romans 5:8, Jesus, you didn't wait for us to to be put back together. You didn't wait even for us to say we're sorry. There wasn't even an invocation of us screaming, Jesus, would you come? But at the fullness of the time you came and you came to a people uh, that were as lost as lost could be. And in our worst, you chose to love us. So Lord, Even now, you're not. You're not. Where the message of rejection says there's something wrong with you, Father. You are not waiting for us to get to the place where we seem acceptable to you. Mm -hmm. You step through all of that pain and all of that mess, Lord. You know, like Tim said, it's your great love, Lord. Demonstrated through the shedding. You can't give. You can't give more than your body and blood. And I just ask and pray right now, Father, that that reality would touch them in the deepest place, the very woundedness of heart. On the inside, Father, I ask and pray that in the same way Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me for this reason. I pray, Holy Spirit, you touch, you'd minister to, and you'd make the love of God a reality to the rejected right now, and you'd bring them out of pain and into your embrace. Lord, I also just want to pray for uh, the person that was hearing this and said, I feel an urgency there was something sparked in me there was there was something birthed in me that says I want to minister to people like this where where I can't explain I just had this sense when Tim was inviting you know hey would you pray father I feel like there's somebody that's watching this or is going to hear this maybe more than one where where there's something in them that says I've had experiences in that area, and there's a passion in my heart to see people set free from that. Lord, uh, I just ask and pray, Lord, that that whatever that looks like, I'm not sure, but would, you, would your anointing, would your empowerment and your enablement and strategy be given to that individual that's saying, I would like to have a ministry in that area. I feel called to that thing. I feel called to be um, a stone in the sling. To t- Take down that Goliath, take down that giant. Where would you, would you help them to see how that would play out in their own life? Would you give them wisdom and insight and strategy and the empowerment and the anointing necessary, Father, to to bring about deliverance, to bring about the topplement, God, of of the enemy's camp and kingdom, um, and and to minister the truth in a way that that cuts through all of the lives and lies and brings healing, Lord, in the deepest place and brings deliverance in the deepest place. Jesus, we thank you and for how good you are, how faithful, how kind. And how loving you are that never once will you ever ever turn your back there is there is not an ounce of desire inside of you whatsoever to reject anyone lord that that would come to you and so jesus we just thank you for the opportunity to draw near by the blood of jesus and uh we just ask and pray you continue to increase lord our capacity to love you our capacity to receive your love and in uh, our ability to know you jesus we want to experience you and encounter you and walk with you and deeply know you. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this podcast and whom it's going to touch and whom it's going to minister to.
0: In Jesus' name. Amen. What was this song of Solomon reference again? It's
1: chapter 7, verse 10.
0: I am my beloved's, and, and his, his desire de- is for me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much, Brian. It's great talking yeah. to you. That Like an hour and 44 minutes and 53 seconds.
1: That's nothing. That's why I don't like taking phone calls from you when you call <laughs> five minutes. Ha <laughs> ha.